Life Audio. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We want families to come here and gain insightful strategies that empower them to successfully teach diverse learners at home. Hosted by founder and CEO of Sped Homeschool, Peggy Ployer. Our goal is that these powerful weekly conversations will boost your confidence to cultivate the best at-home learning environment for your student. For more homeschool resources, go to spedhomeschool.com. You're listening to Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. We'll start the conversation with Peggy and her guests next. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool, a nonprofit that empowers families to home educate diverse learners. To learn more, visit spedhomeschool.com. Here's Peggy Ployer. Today, our topic is don't throw out the books if your student refuses to read. Um, I know many of you may be there right now, and our special guest, um, return guest, is Julie Nally. Welcome back, Julie. Well, thank you. I'm glad, glad to have to you here. here. This is this is such a good topic, um, and I know Julie has 40 different ideas that she's going to share with you on how to help that the refusing reader um, to get to get down with um, opening books and and hopefully enjoying them too. <laughs> so I'm excited to hear all that you have to share. Um, if you're joining us live, just know that you can put your questions, your comments in the feed, wherever you're watching from. And we would love to include those in our conversation. We had um, one submission and it was just a general um, general submission of um, a question, which is the topic we're going to cover today. And Lisa had said, how do I help a child who has no desire to read? And um, Julie had said, that's exactly what I'm going to talk about. So we're excited to answer your question, Lisa, and um, and to help you find some strategies for doing that. Um, so Julie, as we're getting started, I would love for you to um, just share a little bit with our audience um, about you. And I know you have some slides, and that's kind of baked into there. So would you like me to pull those up and we'll just yep. dive in? All right. Great. So I so love this title. <laughs> don't throw the books out with the bathwater when your struggling twiddler hates, struggles, refuses to read. And I was so excited when I found that picture because it was just like, that was really good. Yeah, yes. Um, and if you're listening on the podcast, it's just an old-fashioned tub with books just going right into the river. <laughs> <laughs> Heading upstream without the child. or with <laughs> uh, Yes, that's awesome. So, so yes, and you're going to explain much more about that that twiddler r word um, as we go yep. along. So hold on for that one if you're. So is this your family? Yep. Well, these are three of my five. My husband and I have five children. These are our three youngest, and they keep us young. Yeah, and feeling a tad old at the same time. They're all adopted from Ukraine. 
So they're my three little Ukrainians, John and Aaron, the two, the two boys just graduated from high school this year. Like three weeks ago, we just had a graduation. So that was pretty Oh, congratulations. That's exciting. Major milestone. Yeah, absolutely. So my husband and I, we write a history literature curriculum, and it's based on both the classical and Charlotte Mason approaches of studying history in order and immersing our children in living books as they engage with the history. And our curriculum is called Biblioplan, which is book plan. Biblio means book in Latin. Oh, yes. Very cool. And it's a combination, you said, of Charlotte Mason and classical. How does that work together? So we follow the the classical method that's rigorous, wanting our kids to grow up to be really critical thinkers. Um, We want them to have a firm grasp of history. We want an education that's rich in the classics. We want them to understand what they believe and to be able to articulate as they get older what they believe to those around them. So we want we want them to just have a really thorough understanding of what they believe using history um, and, and the other disciplines as their basis. Got it. Very nice. And Francesca is watching from San Diego, California. Welcome to the show. Very cool. It, that's that's a great combination of those of those um, two methodologies. So with, with the Charlotte Mason, um, we believe that kids need time to grow um, and and space to grow. So we provide a curriculum that is easy to adapt and very child friendly. So that would be on the next slide. Yeah. Um, it encourages creative thinking. It allows for adapting lessons to individual needs. It lets families pick and choose what works for them. And it's very hands-on and easy for mom to teach. So it's both a literature curriculum, history literature, but it's also our our philosophy is that kids learn not just by reading and and studying, but also by doing. And so that's kind of where we get the balance between the Charlotte Mason classical um, approach. That's very cool. Yeah. And so many kids need need a combination just um, in order to really interact with with learning. Very cool. So what is what are these? These are a bunch of books. And I I recognize many of them. (laughs) Your favorites. Philosophies of classical and Charlotte Mason focus on the living book idea. And that's the root of the education. They both focus on studying history in order from ancient history to medieval to early modern to modern. And they both have students learning history in order. Um, And it's the best. And they're both they're doing history and literature together. So as I'm studying a history book, I'm reading the literature that matches up with it. And and which is personally what the way I think that's the best way to do history literature. And it just brings books alive. And so that's kind of our philosophy. Got it. Well, I got a question question. for you on that, um, Julie. Um, It's from Wisconsin. Uh, Diamond Ski watching on on YouTube said, I'm planning to use Biblioplan Medieval this year with Mystery of History as a Spine. Would getting the Biblioplan craft book be overkill, seventh and eighth grade? No, we just came out with brand new craft books. Our craft books are chock full of really fun history. And and there's lots of little history vignettes inside the craft book. So even if you actually don't do the activity, reading those craft, reading the, reading the vignettes teaches you a lot of history. So, and it's not just crafts, it's, it's, it's food and games and, and just all kinds of fun things to do with your kids. And it's K to 12. Um, oh, so every book has like cool. over 250 ideas in it. So not overkill. It's a great purchase. And we, yeah. and, the, and the medieval one just came out like a couple months ago, brand new. Oh, that's exciting. Very cool. Great question. Diamond ski. <laughs> so I have five kids. My oldest son loved books. He loved for us to read to him. He loved books so much that when he was a baby, um, he would. We had to actually put his books on timeout because oh, wow. he would constantly bring them to us and bring them to us to the point where it was just that so we couldn't get anything done. So we put the book on. We would read it and then put it on top of the refrigerator. And by the end of the day, the whole refrigerator was stacked with books. And then the next day, we'd bring them back down and we would start over again. And we did that for a long time because he was just such a book fiend. And so you would think that. Um, he that we would because he was such a book lover when he was little that we would never have a minute's trouble with him when he um when he got older but that wasn't exactly how it happened wow 
Yeah. Um, I will, Diamond Ski also commented to you. Thank you so much. I'm glad to hear your perspective on the, the craft books. So just wanted awesome. you to know that. <laughs> so, so, we so, put, that. <laughs> so we put, we put my son in a small Christian school when he started kindergarten and it was a really strict school where every child was required to have their feet planted on the floor and their hands folded. And um, even though he was already reading, they put him through the, the reading program there at the school. And he was required to read every one of the books from the beginning books on. And he was really bored out of his mind. Oh, the I amount of books imagine, he had yes. to read kept him from having time to enjoy pleasure reading. So, I, and, and, and that, that was a, that was huge. The amount of books he ha- he had to read kept him from having the time or desire to read for pleasure. Taking pleasure reading away from a child causes them to become a twiddler. Ah, one of the causes. Yes, that would that makes a lot of sense. After a word from our sponsor, we'll dive back into this conversation. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool. Go to spedhomeschool.com to get resources and support for teaching your unique learner at home. And what is a twiddler? <laughs> a twiddler is my fa- it's my word. This is this is a Julie word. Okay. It's one who is capable of reading, but they resist it. They they twiddle around instead of reading. They 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 think a fidget spinner is ha- will hold greater interest than actually opening up that book. They think that Minecraft has more appeal than a book. They're the one that takes the book and throws it across the room like a frisbee. (laughs) Right. The one who stares at the pages and has no clue what's on them. A twiddler resists reading. A twiddler struggles to read because they they just hate it so much. Reading is not a pleasure for them. My school burned my son out. Right. My, school, my son's school with boring books and provided no time to pleasure read books that would have held his attention in their effort to make my son a, an excellent reader. They actually turned him off of reading. It turned him wow. into a twiddler. Right. Yeah. And that's in, in all good, you know, intentions, but yet yep. that's where it went. Yeah. So when we started homeschooling him, I wanted to like renew his love for books. So I took the reading program and I threw it out (laughs) and I started showering him with living book, which books, which is what, um, what we came to. That's when we started doing the whole living book. We went classical and he began to blossom. He loved the new books. And since we were doing history in order, the books that he read were related to the history we were doing. And it was the perfect balance for him. We, it, it, it just worked so well. My yeah, second yeah. son, who was coming along behind him, 
is the one of my five children who is not a twiddler. He loved books from the beginning. He never resisted them. He, he would just read anywhere, wherever you gave him a book. So I had one twiddler for my two oldest and one that was not. Um, but the, the classical model, the, the, the Charlotte Mason model worked for both of them. Yeah, yeah. For those people that don't know what a living book is, can you briefly explain that? So a living book is a book that 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 comes alive. It, the children the breathe life. It, it's a book that that they can that they can immerse in, and the the characters in it um, make them feel alive, make them enter into the story. Um, so when they're reading it, they're just there. It's kind of drawing them in. Um, it. It's a it's a life book. It it it, it touches their heart. It, it um, stimulates right, their brain. It gets them thinking, um, as opposed to just junk, or as opposed to just a, a book that's that's boring or mindless. Right. Living books are bring life to a child. Great, great um, description of that. Thank so, you. our first son we adopted was six when we brought him home. And he had never seen a book before in his entire life. He had never held a book, never had one. Um, But despite that, he loved to sit and look at the books and, and, um, and, and have us read to him. It took him a long time to learn to read. It was a process, but he learned and it was pretty amazing considering where he came from um, to the fact that he just graduated from high school and is reading on a seventh or eighth grade reading level, which is like pretty amazing. Um, He doesn't always understand what he reads. And that is a twiddler problem. What causes twiddling is, is children don't have comprehension. They don't understand what they're reading and that causes them to not enjoy the book. Um, He, he sometimes he reads too fast and that's another problem. Um, reading too fast isn't going to allow you to really in, enjoy or immerse in the book because you're just kind of skim reading it. Um, he has auditory processing disorders and some other issues that, that affect his reading. Yes. Um, so his ability to grasp what he is reading is affected by some of his disabilities. So he has twiddling in a different direction as my older son does. Yeah. Um, so do you have any suggestions? Um, Diamond Ski also asked that she said, I think my both my kids fit in this twiddler category. Um, but they now that it's summer, they're resistant to reading anything. Any suggestions for hang on, because I got 40, 40 ideas. Of what we're gonna do in a little <laughs> That's bit. awesome. Yes. <laughs> hang on to your question, because I'm hoping to I'm gonna get to that. Um, so the second son we adopted, he's the one who would rather um, just do anything else but read to him. He's never enjoyed listening to us read. He's a huge triller. He learned to read, but he's way behind grade level. He finds books overwhelming. He can't read fluently. He's a 100% twiddler, and much of this session revolves around him. He's the one that would throw the books out with the bathwater. He's the (laughs) one who groans when when we give him a gift, and it's a a book. It's like, uh, oh. not my thing, you know. Oh yes, absolutely. And then just just my little girl, she's um she's special needs. So she loves books. She loves to, for us to read to her, but she has not quite reached the point of being able to read them herself. Um but she she does like to read and I can't wait for the day when she is able to open that book up and actually read it. She has some autistic, she has epilepsy, so. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for sharing that, that background, Julie, because I think a lot of times our our audience goes, well, how does this person that, you know, you're speaking to really understand where I'm at? And I hope you understand that Julie, Julie gets your story, your struggles, um, and that her suggestions coming up are really coming from these these battles internally in her own homeschool and helping her own kids um, learn how to embrace books at their own level. Um, yep. And like you said, it's it's a process. I think we all think it's it's just gonna we're gonna have some magic button and it's gonna get us there. <laughs> so Charlotte Mason said a hundred years ago that the most common and monstrous defect in the education of the day is that children fail to acquire the habit of reading the habit, not the ability the to read because a lot of our kids do read or can read, but the habit of reading 
the most it, and, and it's a defect in the education of the day is the ability to acquire the habit. I had one child with the ability to acquire the habit of reading and the rest mm-hmm. of mine struggled with that habit. Yeah. And habits take a long time to build. And we, we forget that. Um, we just expect that this is just something that's just going to magically happen. <laughs> yep. And here's another quote from Charlotte Mason. Children must have books living books books the books are the best are not too good for them anything less than the best is not good enough and if it is needful to exercise economy let go everything that belongs to soft and luxurious living before letting go the duty of supplying the books and the frequent changes of books which are necessary for the constant stimulation of the child's intellectual life i love that quote in my own words Children need to be surrounded by a large supply of books, the best living books out there. If money is an issue, then give up eating or cable or TV or the Internet or other luxuries so you can fill their world with books. Implicit in both of those statements is that education without living books is not education. We, We just we need our kids to read yeah, yeah, we would live at the library. It's we, you know, it's a cheap way to get lots of books. <laughs> so I love books. It's in books where we learn to think and process. It's books increase our vocabulary. Books make us better writers. Books make us better communicators. Books help us to understand the world around us. Books quench our thirst for knowledge. Books bring us delight and pleasure. They make us cry laugh they help us to relax they inspire books make us angry books bring on revolutions books stimulate creativity books teach books challenge and i could just go on and on and on with all the things that books do in our lives absolutely yes i know i've got my stack ready for my vacation (laughs) (laughs) so many of you agree You're like, I agree with all of that. I agree. I agree. My art, we have our house. We've got books in our house and we we've we've got that library card and you would drop everything. If there was a library sale going on or a book sale, you are book lovers. Um, You're going to agree with what I just said. Yeah. But what happens when there's a twiddler in the room? That twiddler who's knocking over our bookshelves and destroying all our theories and all of our Charlotte Mason sweet quotes and consistent <laughs> about books. The child who struggles to read, who hates to read, who resists the habit of reading. The child who's moving and grooving to their own beat, twiddler, twiddling away their days, sidestepping all your attempts. Their hands are active, their feet are moving, their bodies dancing out the door as far away from that book as you can get. And you're stuck. Yeah. You believe like I do that books are vital and you want to teach your child using living books, but the twiddler in the room is making it really hard. Absolutely. I've had one of those myself. <laughs> So if you're listening, it's because you have a twiddler too and you're looking for help. I don't have all the answers. I really don't. But I can share from experience and from dealing with my own twiddlers how to maybe at least tame them a little bit. How do you follow the living book, classical Charlotte Mason um, style of reading while studying history when your child is a twiddler? I'm going to share 40 ways that allow you to follow the living book model. The focus is not on a child who can't read. That's going to have to be in another session, Peggy, a right. child who can't read, but a child who resists reading. And everything I share is based around my personal philosophy of history, doing history classically and reading the books along with your history. Yes. But you, can, you don't have to limit yourself to just that, that um, mentality. You can, you can use it. If you're not using either of those philosophies, you can still use a lot of these ideas um, wherever you go. Great. Yes. And, you know, we, we never have all the answers, but you have a lot of answers and um, it should give parents a lot of things, a lot of ideas to go off of and to get started with. And, and like you said, even if they aren't using either of these teaching methodologies, a lot of these um, suggestions should be able to apply to whatever um, methodology you're using. We were talking ahead of time of the show, even if, you know, unschooling, um, whatever books, you know, your child is using or you would like them to read, um, it would be helpful. 
Okay, so my number one is that you're going to have to change your expectations. Oh, so true. So all your dreams and notions (laughs) of how you're going to have this perfect book-filled style of learning needs to be laid aside. You got got your dreams, but now the reality is going to have to come in. The perfect living book model is going to have to be adjusted to a different model for your Twiddler. And that might mean shedding a few tears, changing your dream for them, what you want for them and what may be realistic may not match. And that's okay. You have to give up your dream, but you're not totally giving up your dream. You don't have to throw out Charlotte Mason living books, but you're just going to have to adapt a little bit. So the first one is just change your expectations. Um, It's you're not going to get everything that you want when it comes to your twiddlers. Yeah. And I found I had to change my goals too. What, what I really wanted out of them reading books, because, um, you know, do I want them to get a book done or do I want them to love what they're reading and to actually absorb it? And um, when I finally mentally figured that out, it was a huge revelation for me, but a huge relief for my child. Yep. Um, so, yes, those expectations are so important. Number two, unplug the electronics. Uh, And it's a very practical and it's the hardest bit of advice I have to give. Electronics are these brain sucking, mind numbing, reader robbing devices that steal your child's joy of reading. It stole my first one's reading away. That was besides boring books. Once the electronics entered our home, it was just it was a it was a battle. It was a battle. How can a, a book compete with the fast and amazing images of an electronic electronics should never be a reward for doing work. It should not be, okay, if you do this, then you will get to play this because you're, you're stealing your kid right there, right away from thinking about whatever they're doing. Even if they are reading the book, they're not thinking about the book. Children that are, that are electronic focused are going to be looking at that book and thinking about how they're going to play that game later on that day and how they're going to beat their foes and how they're going to, they're going to go through the door and whatever they're doing in that game. That's what they're going to be thinking about. Um, The hours spent on devices um, mean that kids lose, lose create creative hours outside um, and they, and they just don't want to read. And so unplugging the electronics is a huge deal. I get it. I deal with it. Um, my one of the things that we do as a rule of thumb is that from Monday till Friday, we don't do any electronic. We don't do we don't do um, games. We don't do TV. We don't do anything. Um, and so that school time, even in the summer, we are very, very limiting. So even if we watch one TV movie a day and that's it and we do very limited time in the summer so that we're not it's not it's not something that's going to be rule our lives and rule our family um but during the school year nothing monday through friday um and and kids fuss at first but after a while they get used to that right friday saturday and sunday we give them a little bit and um you know so they they, we're done school we're going to go play we're done school we're going to go be creative we're done school we might want to pick up a book if the electronic is not there so Yeah, absolutely. That's a great suggestion. So number three, if your curriculum gives you the freedom of choice, and ours does, let them choose the books. Give your child from even an early age, let them um, choose the books, but especially for your middle and high schoolers. Kids often balk at reading because they actually don't trust the books that you're choosing. I mean, I didn't. When I was growing up, all the books that my teacher said I had to read, those are the ones that I didn't want to read because they were assigned reading. But when I chose the book, that's when I would devour it. So if you have the option of giving them a book list and saying, okay, here's the book list for these, for this, like in our our, our curriculum is set up in units. So there's like, 15 choices, which books are interesting to you? Which books would you like to read and give them the choice? Because a lot of times choices changes clicks, clicks in their brain and it gives them just a completely different perspective and a desire to read. Absolutely. Yes. And I, I found even that sometimes my kids would pick harder books than I was even going to assign them when I allowed them that choice. Um, but, but they then followed up and, and read them. (laughs) Number four, so as a history literature curriculum, study the history first, then read oh, yes. the book. So knowing the history in the book goes a long way for the child in com- comprehending the story and reading many of the words. So if, you've, if you're doing a history literature curriculum, 
and you give them the book ahead of time, then a lot of times they're going to not be as, as clued in. But when you do the history and you go, okay, we're going to learn about World War One, and we're going to talk about, you know, whatever you're talking about, and then you hand right. them the book, that, that just inspires them. It's so much more, like, life-giving for them. And that Absolutely. was true for all of my Twiddlers. They loved the history-related books, and they loved reading them after we had done the history because it just brought the history to life. Exactly. Yes. It made me like history all of a sudden, too, (laughs) as somebody who hated it growing up. So, Mom, you might might embrace history as well. (laughs) So whatever book you want your child to do, most of the time they have a dust jacket with it. If you've got it from the library, if you've bought it new, Um, the dust jacket is going to have a lot of times a picture, but it's going to also have a synopsis of the book with them. Read that to your child. Have them look at the picture. Try to try to try to just just study the picture on that dust jacket. Why did why did the um why is this picture on here? What do you think is going to happen based on that picture? Um, help them think oh, through what yes. the book is going to be about. Give them give them some real um, props as you study that dust jacket and as you talk about it. Dust jackets are designed to draw children into the book. And for our twiddlers, it's a great way to spark their interest. So that is a, it's just a simple little thing, but don't just hand a child a book, say, Hey, let's stop for a minute. Where, look at what the artist drew on this book and, and discuss it with them and then read through that dust jacket, read about the author, give them some props for, for getting and drawing into the book. Absolutely. I never even thought of doing something like that, but that you're right. They spend a lot of time putting, um, into that, the artwork and the description. So use it. So if you, um, if you have a child that, that has struggles in vocabulary or, or, you know, you know, they're going to hit some concepts in that book, it's always good to pre-read it. Even if it's just going to be the chapter for you to pre-read ahead to kind of where, where, where are the, where are the potholes going to be here? Right. Um, which area in this chapter is going to be a, a problem for my child? They're not going to understand. I love to read my kids books. I love to read the books that they're reading. So I tend to always like, I'll, like I'll get the book and I'll read it ahead of them so that I have an idea. Um, I just like to read. And so for me to sit there and read a book that they're going to read is, is, is pleasure reading for me. Not everybody can do that, but um, that way I, I can give them props for understanding and for teaching concepts now you can't sometimes do the whole book, but you could if this if you're signing a chapter for that day, look through it, figure out right. what words are going to cause your child to stumble, and go and go through it because then when they hit that word, it's not gonna it's not gonna make them go oh I hate this because now they have some now they have some helps for doing that. Absolutely, and sometimes there's the audio book, and so that's what I tend to go to versus, you know, my kids reading. And so I'm, at least I have the ability to plug it in my ear and yep. get it done. <laughs> so um, big one, slow down. And none of these are in any sort of order. Like I didn't, these 40 things are just not in any kind of order there as I thought of them. Yeah. Slow down in your weekly schedule and in your yearly schedule. The beauty of homeschooling, and that's what you get to do, is that you can go at your own pace You're not bound to do a year's worth of curriculum in a year. Exactly. A year and a half or two years, take it. Just slow down and enjoy it. And then number two or number eight, decrease the number of books to read. In our curriculum, we have six units a a year. So there's six units in our our, um, year. Each unit is about six weeks long. Some of them are shorter, some of them are longer, but that's the average. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, a kid like me who loved books, I could have read a book a week. I could have read two books a week and just never be satisfied. Right. Um, but Twiddlers, that like you can't have expect a Twiddler to read a book a week. That's that's going to oh, be no. way too much. A typical student that's not a voracious reader is going to be maybe two to three books in a unit um, or less, depending upon how big the book is. Right. I tell my families with Twiddlers that one book a unit is like a win. Oh, my, yeah. my Twiddler who hated books, if I could get him to do six books in a year, I felt like I had won the lottery. Oh, that yeah. was a big deal. <laughs> you know, six books, um, it may not seem like a lot to you and your expectations are so much more, but for a Twiddler, that's a huge accomplishment. So Absolutely. go just decrease the number of books they have to read. 
Right. That stress that they they feel it, you know, it just shuts them down when you, you start getting those expectations higher than they think they can reach. And so that is such a good, and you know, eventually they, they may get to that point, but to start, start there and to expect them, it really does make it a lot more difficult to build that habit and for them to be confident. So number nine, pick easier books. In a literature history curriculum, the focus is to read high-quality living books to go along with what is being studied in history. So in whatever curriculum you're doing, our natural tendency is to go, well, my child is in fourth grade, so they must be reading. They must read fourth-grade books, right? Um, you don't have to do that. Drop down a grade level or two. The focus Good. is on yes. content, not quantity. So the focus is allowing your child to immerse. And often those easier books are just as history rich as the yeah. grade level ones. Um, so if you can go, okay, well, my fourth grader would be happier in a third or a second grade reader. Go for it. Just drop them down. Don't, don't, don't make them or don't press them into that. We must read on grade level. My, yeah. my um, one child way below, but the books that we pick for him are the one are the ones that he enjoys. And so, you know, you have to go with where they are. Absolutely. Number 10. And this is this is a really important one, because, you know, in the last in the last slide, I said, just have them do six books in a unit. But <laughs> right. This is how you can get them to do more. You go out and you find picture books and easy readers for them to just enjoy. You get a basket. And yeah. this is what Charlotte Mason said. You change things up. You put things out. You get a basket and you fill it with picture books and easy readers. And mm -hmm. you don't say a word. <laughs> right. And every three or four weeks, you just change out those books. And these are not required reading. These are just fun pleasure reading. Um, the, the, the type of books that have no strings attached and that, that, that they're just going to absolutely draw a child in. They're going to look at that and go, oh, that's a picture book on on World War One. And it doesn't have a lot of words, but it has a lot of pictures, but it has a few words. And mom might sit down and read this one with me. That just it's just going to pull them into that book. And yes. it's going to cite them and it's going to just give them enthusiasm. A few years ago um, at our at our um, at our co-op, a family was getting rid of their entire book collection because they were moving the whole family to Italy. Oh, yeah. I had and to do that when we moved to Texas. <laughs> they gifted all of those books to the people at the co-op. So they just brought them in in boxes and boxes and boxes. It was a huge family, Hun hundreds and hundreds of books. And, and it was a feeding fest. And I'm just in there grabbing with everybody. <laughs> and I grabbed a couple of um, the science type encyclopedia books that are just pictures full and rich. Right. And, um, and I brought them home and I just put them on the counter. And my, my boys came and they came walking by and they saw the books and they were like, just went crazy. They grabbed them and they took them upstairs and they, they put them in their bed. And then that night they were showing me the pictures and so excited about these books. And there wow. was no strings attached. It was just pure. You could do that at the library. Oh, Grab yeah. a bunch, fill a basket, go back a couple weeks later, fill a basket and not put strings on it. They don't have to read them. But right. hey, if they do. That's a cool thing. Absolutely. I would, we, we lived in a small town for a while and I gave the librarian uh, the topic we were studying and she would actually just order books for me every week and have them there when I arrived. And that was so neat that, you know, I could have these curated books and just, um, just walk home with a big pile every week and then return them the next week. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. So be selective and wise, know your child. And pick the books that they're going to love. You Absolutely. have to think about your child. Is, are they going to like this book? Is this is this a girl book and my boy is not going to like it? Is this a boy book and my girl is not going to like it? Is this book about science and my child is not tuned into science? Is this book about, you know, whatever? You We have to be selective. And yeah, we need to pick books that bring out their emotions. If they love adventure then go in that direction. If they love yeah. drama, then go in that direction. So think about them. What is going to stimulate them? What is what is going to draw them into that living book? That's why I like book lists that are flexible. So you're picking the books instead of somebody else picking the books for you because right. you know your children. I don't. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yes. And, and they do. They, they can stir so many emotions and, and lead to so many good conversations, too. <laughs> OK, so this is a fun one because you're going to assign their readings that they're left with cliffhangers. Oh, so when back in the olden days, writers would put their 
put their stories in a magazine and they would um, they would only tell part of the story and you right. would get the magazine, you would read it and then you would be left with the cliffhanger, which would make you want to buy the magazine to, so that you can get the rest of the story. And and doing that with our kids is just as good. You sign that you're going to read just this much and here's the cliffhanger and then now all done. Try it again tomorrow. <laughs> put the book away. And then um, it's going to make them wonder what's going to happen. Right. Um, what is going to happen? Anticipation is a huge tool for getting children hooked. So if you're assigning their reading, try to assign it in a way that that, that has them hanging on a cliff so that they want to know what happens in that story. Absolutely. And Francesca had said that her her son had struggled with dyslexia and is now starting to to read, but getting him that that habit. Um, I think this is this is great. You know, those those cliffhangers and what's going to happen next. We we all see it in movies, but um, books, yep. books are even better because then you get you're experiencing on your child's imagination, too, as they're thinking of all these these ways that the book may take t- twists and turns in the future. So if a child loves the book, let them read it again. Yes. And that that actually is like people, well, you already read that one. My mm. dad would say that to me because I kept reading my books over and over again. He said, well, why are you reading that? You already read it. But it's in rereading that a child really savors the story. If they really like yeah. the story, reading it again is just a really great way for them to re- reconnect with it. Um, and and I, if, if I have a, I have one child who has the same, he's got a series of books and he's read them about five or ten times. And, <laughs> and if he chooses to read pleasure reading, that's what he's going to go to is that series of books because he loves them that much. And I don't say a word. I just it's yeah. OK. Mm-hmm. If those books, if those books are bringing life to him, then. I didn't read it again. I read the Bible over and over again. I mean, we want to do that. Well, we want to read our living books over again, too. Um, my right. Twiddlers love to reread a book because they are now familiar with the words and they can oh, be yes. confident with that book. They can come at it with confidence because now they have um, they have mastered it. And so that so let them reread it. Absolutely. Great reasons for that. Yes. So um, read the first book in a series as a read aloud. This is a good way to get your your children to want to read the next book. If they loved that book, then they're going to be motivated to want to read the other books in the series on their own. So in our book list, we often there's there's lots of books that are series books, series books. We put the first book in the series on our book list. And then I list, these are other books that are in this series because it's going to, if a child likes this one, well, I want to go see what happens. I want to follow the story with the next characters in the next books. Absolutely. And it's motivating. Um, so it, it's super, super worked for my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, to read the first one as a family, and then they're going to want to go read the next ones. Yes. And then, then on, coupling on top of that, the, read the first book by an author as a read aloud. So if an author, even if it's not in a series, but if, right. it, if you find an author that's really good that your children like, read mm-hmm. that because they're going to want to go back out and follow that author and get more books from that author. And if they want that author, you just go to town. Oh, and absolutely. You yeah. Every book you can <laughs> by that author because it's going to motivate that. I've watched my children fall in love with an author and feast on their other books. Yes, I've seen the same thing happen in our house too. Great suggestions. So this is a big one. Um, provide reading quiet times in the day. And, and, and this yes. is something that you should do in the summertime too, not just during the school year. But set aside d- daily times devoted to just quiet time reading. Even if it's for just 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour, this was a lifesaver for us. Um, my oldest twiddler, he needed quiet time because he's a per- people person. And if if I tell him, go read a book, but there's things going on in the house, um, <laughs> he's not going to look at the book. He's going to be paying attention to what's going on in the house. He's going to, I call him a ground oh, yeah. Yeah. He's constantly looking to see what's going on. Um, <laughs> but if you can shut the whole house down and it works best if like you have little ones and you can nap time or rest time. And then you just give everybody. And, and in the summertime, kids still need that quiet time. They do. Yes. Um, and yes. just say, okay, we're going to carve out from one to two every day or from right after lunch or whatever, a quiet reading time. And just this is going to be our time to read and nothing else is happening. Mom might take a little rest during that time because we need our rest. Um, but other than that, that it's going to be a quiet reading time and nothing's going to happen. And, and that, that book hating child 
if the, if there's no stimulation going on, they're going to be more motivated to just eventually get into the habit of just even looking at the book, right. at least looking at it. Just picture um, books even. Yeah. It up, mm-hmm. reading it, doing whatever. In the summertime, you should still continue to do that. But it is also really good. It's an excellent way to carve out your schedule during the school day. Yeah. On top of that, provide a reading nook. That's just for them. Mm-hmm. This is your reading spot. Get a special bean bag or a hanging hammock or special spot in the house that they can decorate and make it quiet and private and designate it as their reading corner. This is where you're going to go when it's quiet reading time. Yes. But number 19, make sure that you don't have too much stimulation in that reading nook. You can't Absolutely. have spinners in there. It needs to be, it needs to be, don't put it, needs to be empty of, of a lot of distraction. Um, if you, if otherwise it's going to be counterproductive, they're going to be so busy hanging, jumping around on their hammock. If that's going to be a distraction, then that's not going to be a good option. Right. Um, it, you need to think about your child and what can we do to make this a peaceful, calm place that is not going to distract them, but that is going to draw them in to reading. Absolutely. So, so not the same as the calm down corner that we did a show on a couple months ago. (laughs) (laughs) So then have them read for realistic periods of time based on their age and ability. Twiddlers are not going to sit and read for an entire hour. Oh yeah. No, unless Mm -mm. you get to a point where they eventually are and then they're not a twiddler anymore. A twiddler is going to read for 15 minutes and that's, that's a good win. Um, 15 minutes, and then they can quietly color a picture if you've carved out a 30-minute or 45-minute um, quiet time. Right. If they can read for 15 minutes, you've got a score there. Hmm. Um, and then have them read in short segments and what, in, instead of one long one. So take a break. Read right. a little bit. Take a break. Read a little bit. Um, and, and, then, and, and that way you're, you're breaking it up so that you're not um, – they're twiddlers, they're, they're, right. it's, it's not going to be that easy. So you're giving them just short bursts, not long steady. I yeah. don't expect you to sit down and read that book for that entire hour. It's too much. I don't care what, at what age. Twiddlers are not going to do it. So we just have to shorten our time and, um, and make it a little bit easier. Just lower our expectations, but still have expectations. Yeah. And I think for some kids, you, you have to communicate that very um, succinctly. Because they they need to know what what is acceptable and during that time, and that if they do just do do short spurts of reading a sentence at a time or two sentences or a paragraph, and then need to take a break um, and go back, that's still considered reading, um, and and to verbalize that and to reassure them that that's that's an okay way to start reading too. Um, So make reading in bed before bedtime a privilege. Ah. We did this with our kids. We made this a big deal. Like you get to read in bed. And so we got them reading lights um, and no assigned readings. Never, never, never bedtime was the required book reading. The the bedtime reading was fun books, just whatever they want to do. These were fun books. They were pleasure reading. These were the favorites that they're going to read over and over again. We had books beside their bed. We changed them out. And um, and that th- for my twiddlers, that has been a huge difference, you know, right before they go to bed, yeah. just read for five or 10 or 15 minutes and then turn your light out. And they've got their little lights and they're putting it on there and they're they're mm-hmm. reading they're looking at their picture book and then they go to sleep. And um, oh. and, and so we've we've always made that uh, bedtime as a privilege. It's just a it's just a fun thing. And right. um, it's not required. It's not part of school. It's just a privileged time to read. Hmm. Great idea. So um, have the struggling reader read out loud. And this is a hard one. Um, yeah. Because I, I have found when they read out loud to themselves or to someone else, they're actually better able to engage in the book. When, when they're trying to read in their heads, a lot of our struggling readers, a lot of our twiddlers aren't actually reading. They're looking at the paper. They're looking at the page. Right. And they're out. Mm-hmm. They have no idea what they've read. Um, it's a discipline to get them to read out loud. My first, my one child resisted it forever, resisted it, resisted it, resisted it. But, but I was, I was really, really firm. I need to hear you. I need to hear you. I need to hear you. Um, as time went on, it was the best thing I ever could have done because it, it taught him to read. It got him reading. Yes. If, if I had left him to his own devices and had him reading in his head, then, um, 
it was, it, we were never going to get anywhere. We were never going to actually get past the, I'm never going to read part. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As they're reading out loud, record them. Yeah. Record them reading. It's an amazing how much fun they have reading a section and then listening to themselves reading it. They are making their own audio version of the book. Yeah. So just, just a lot, just little electronic. I'm not big on electronics, but this is a good electronic. Mm-hmm. Um, record them and then have them listen to themselves and then video them reading. This is another really good thing that, that it, cause it helps them see how they're reading, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, have them read in different voices. Different oh, yes. Uh-huh. Have them hand it up with um, a Southern draw or a radio announcer or Eeyore. Mm-hmm. Have them read it as if they're reading to a little brother or a little sister, even if they're not. And video that. Kids will get into that. They oh, get into absolutely. that fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Make it more engaging and, and teach them just how to, to differentiate the different characters, even by, by those different voices. So listen to the audiobooks. Um, read, have the book open and listen to the audiobooks as they're reading along. I, I know that some people are like, well, that's not reading. Um, for a lot of our twiddlers, yes, it is. Yeah. And for a mm-hmm. lot of our twiddlers, that is how they're going to survive. That is how they're going to get through school is through the audiobook realm. And we've in our company, we've realized this. You know, we have a lot of kids that, you know, they look at our books and they're like, I can't read that, but they can listen. Yes. And, and, and for a lot of our kids... Listening is a good option. So have them read it. I, my kids, my older ones who were good readers, they still love those audiobooks. They love listening mm-hmm. to them. And my younger ones, um, it's been the best thing. To listen to an audiobook with the book open and following along has been just a really good, um, a good um, activity. Right. Yeah. Well, and it, it helps them to engage with the book, especially if they're reading comprehension or they're trying to, you know, still, still to work out the blends and decipher the words. Yep. Then at least they're they're learning the vocabulary and the sentence structure, all these things that audiobooks just naturally do. Um, yeah. And we have fights now over the summer. Who's going to pick the audiobooks for the, the summer trips? <laughs> <laughs> We're in that right now. <laughs> uh, number 27, read the book on a device. Okay. And I, again, I said earlier, unplug the devices, but sometimes for our twiddlers, a device is really helpful because a lot of times those words on, on the, in a book are not, not big enough. They need yeah. to grow them. They need to make them bigger. And so on a device, they can engage with the device. They can move the, um, move the words on the screen, um, it makes it just easier. Make sure that's all they're doing on the device. So if you just have like a Kindle reader, that's the only thing they're going to do on there is read a book. That's mm-hmm. probably the best um, best way to go. But um, I resisted reading on a device for years and years and years. And I have lately because I have to travel a lot. Right. I've gotten yeah. into reading. You can't carry all those um, books with you. <laughs> nope, I can't. And so I've gotten into reading on a device. And it's it's not as much, it's not as, I like to have a book open. I know, but that physical book. Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't the worst thing in the world. Right. And for those students that need overlays too on the colors, they automatically um, they're there. So that, that helps as well. Read your own book beside them. Uh If if you come in there, they're reading a book and you just come in there and curl up next to them and read your book and they're reading their book. They're going to, they're going to just melt into you and just start reading their book and just going to relax. And that's the idea. Mm -hmm. Um, Number 29, read their book with them. Let them read a page or a paragraph or a sentence. Mm -hmm. Back and forth, stop and discuss, engage with them, react to what is being read. Um, Read with different accents when you read with them. Mm -hmm. Share reading together, but take parts and use voices for the different characters in the book. That is a really fun way to get kids into reading. Yep. Mm-hmm. And number 31, of course, read to them. You're going to yeah. engage kids the most when you just sit down and read to them. Read alouds are often the best books out there on anybody's book list. The read alouds are the best books. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Number 32 in the Charlotte Mason um philosophy, they have a lot of narration. You have right. to narrate what you've read. Mm-hmm. Decrease that. Um, sometimes that gets overwhelming. My kids struggled with this, even though they aren't writing it down. It still feels like a test and a book report all rolled up in one. Um, we right. tend to talk the narration, let them share what they want, but not pushing too much. 
if a child hates narration and reading and reading, then you're doubling the burden on them. So if they really resist the narrating the book and they really resist reading, then you're going to have to choose your battle. And you're going to have to go with, okay, let's let's read the book and then find different ways to narrate. So mm-hmm. one of the things that I did is number 33. Uh-huh. I had children give a book review on Amazon.com. Which is very yeah. short and sweet usually. It is, but they're, 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 it's an under 13 category. So if your child is 13 and under, they can give an anonymous book report. And that was my two older sons' favorite activity. They loved knowing that other people were going to be reading their reviews. That was that was the coolest thing for them. It was a fantastic way for them to write a narration book report without feeling like it was drudgery. So they they would go on there and they get to say, don't read this book. It's terrible. Or I love this book and give one or two sentences or three sentences of why they loved it. And I'm getting narration out of them. I'm, I'm 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 learning that they've read and understand the book. Right. They're doing it in a way that is fun for them. And that was, they had, they made tons of, um, of reviews on Amazon for the books that they read. And it (laughs) was, I just printed them out and then I had them. It Mm -hmm. was awesome. Oh, that's neat. I didn't know that they could do that. Read on the go, take books wherever you go. Don't take the devices, take the books, read at appointments, read at the park, read on a picnic, make it a habit to always have books with you. Just just a little box of books in the car, wherever you go, just make it a habit to have a pile of oh, books. That's a great idea. Yes. Your kids just grab and go. We're going to sit at this appointment. Let's look at the picture books. We're going to sit here. Mom's going to read to you. Yep. Um, just read on the go all the time. Mm. So after reading a book, watch a movie or play about it. Yes. Yeah. That changes their whole perspective. And my, my, my kids have hated usually the movie or the play. <laughs> I do too. It's a great way to do a synopsis and an evaluation of the, of the movie plus the book mm-hmm. or number 36 before reading a book, watch a movie or a play about it. And then while reading the book, compare and contrast the book to the movie. Yes. So, and a lot, a lot of times if, if we've read the book before and then watch the movie, we mm-hmm. tend to hate the book, the hate the movie. But if we've read the, watched the movie first and then read the book, it's not as much of a hate. It's a little bit less of a, of a resistance. Right. Um, and number 37, go to YouTube and find a history related video about what they just read. So, and there are tons, but you have to be super discerning. You need Mm -hmm. to watch every single video beforehand. Yeah. Every part of it, not just the beginning. Yes. Because Mm -hmm. it looks, I have, I, because I, I do zoom online and we, we, we should, we show the kids videos just as a huge warning. I can't tell you how many times I have watched a video and I thought that it was a good one. And then they drop a, a, a bad word at the end. And then I, it's, I can't use that video. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good warning. Yes. It's just so bad that you have to do that. Um, If you're in high school, read the cliff notes first. That's why they're there. And, or listen to an abridged or unabridged version of the book so that you kind of get an overview of the book beforehand. Yes. Especially for those ones that are super complex and require a lot of understanding of the culture and the, you know, the history and that's, yep. And number 40, reward, 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 reward. If your child has read a chapter, reward. If your child has read a page, reward. If you finish a, if you finish the book, if they can answer five questions about the book, if they stayed focused, if they read the book for fun, reward. Find Absolutely. a thousand ways to say, to praise your children. Don't be afraid to praise and reward and do whatever it takes to encourage a love for books. Yeah. The reward could be something as fun as watching a movie that goes with the book or getting another book. Or a piece mm-hmm. of candy or points for a big prize or stickers on a sticker wall or family movie night or whatever you can do. Mm-hmm. Reward your kids for doing even the small, tiny steps. Reward them. Absolutely. Yes. I think the thing that has brought me the greatest pleasure as an adult is seeing my kids order books themselves. <laughs> And if your kids are like my Mary, who are just barely readers or non-readers, you can still do the living book model. You just you just do the reading. You drown them in quality books and just read those books over and over again. Absolutely. And just have them enjoy them. Yes. The so Rob and I write Biblioplan and it's super adaptable. We've made it super adaptable for the Twiddler. We have an entire section of our website dedicated to how to adapt our material for all learning types. Oh, that's so, awesome. Um, 
you can um, you can go right to our website and there's a tips and tri- tricks part. You can actually buy the ebook of it too, um, and it just gives you all kinds of, of of ideas on how to take our books and make them so that you can get your kids reading and enjoying. That's awesome. Thank you for for doing that because I know there's so many curriculums out there that are just like, well, you, you get what you get, and um, I'm I'm you know you get it. I, I you know, after teaching so many unique learners, and I thank you for your willingness to to share the things that you've learned on your website, as well as, you know, with us on, on many shows. Um, Julie has been on our show before, so um, I will definitely put links in of different interviews that she's done, all the, the resources that you have shared. And you do Zoom also? Yeah, we, have, we do Zoom online, and this is actually a great option for Twiddlers. Because we have the kids read the read the chapter ahead of time, and then they come online and they um they get to review what they read in oh. in a very visual way. We watch videos, and this is where I do all my vetting of videos. We watch videos and we look at pictures and we discuss and we and we do all kinds of activities. Um, and for the, we, I have a lot of twiddlers in my in my classes. I have a lot of students who just really struggle, but my, but they can they can succeed because you know i'm coming alongside of them and just just giving mom props and giving that child props for enjoying and and immersing in the chapter um, in what they're reading so that's awesome so we are jam-packed with books that's my last slide yeah Um, you'll have to throw all those books out with the twiddler um, I hope that I answered some questions. I hope that that gave gave you at least one or two things that you could come away with and um, and use as props for how to help your struggling twiddler. Absolutely. So. That was that was a great list. And if you're listening to the podcast, um, Julie's web, website will be on um, the the description, but it's also biblioplan.net. And so you can go to there or you can go to the description and click on the link that'll be on YouTube as well as the podcast. So um, thanks so much, Julie. That was a great, great list and um, take a long time to work through that. (laughs) 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 Lots of options, especially during the summer. We like, you know, having those extra options so that um, if one doesn't work, we can try the next. And maybe by the end of the summer, you'll have something worked out as at least a plan of attack on, on something that you can, can do to start building that, um, that habit of learning. I, I think that's the one thing that I think if you take anything away from this, rewatch, watch all the slides and the ideas that Julie shared, but that it's a habit and habits take a long time to build. It isn't just an overnight thing that we all of a sudden got the, got the trick and the child's going to just all of a sudden just devour reading now. But it, it's a process and um, something that we have to keep working on. And so and it starts with us. I think that was the other thing that you had talked about that I um, I really wanted to to just um, reemphasize is that we have to be the ones gathering the books, putting the books before them um, and setting that example and, and really the importance of it in the home. And, and when we do that, everything should follow over time. So, yes. So, um, Great stuff. And BiblioPlan is an amazing program, too. Um, so I just want to encourage you, if you're, you're sitting on the fence going, what do we do for next year? Um, look at their, their, their products and um, see if that's a good fit. And um, so I'm sure Julie would be happy to answer your questions. She and her husband um, have devoted their, their lives into this and um, have a lot of experience. And so... So, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Julie. This has been great. Do you have any closing yeah. remarks to share with our, our audience? Thank you for letting me be here. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Have an awesome summer. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So next week we will be back um, 
covering we're we're talking about different ways to approach different methodologies with struggling learners and um our our topic next week is how to design learning experiences to support your student academically and um, i'm going to be interviewing a young man that um he actually teaches teachers how to redesign their curriculums um in the schools and he's going to share some insights of how parents can do that as well so um and he works on different ways to approach neurodiversity diverse learners. So I'm excited to have Leroy on next week. So you'll want to tune in for that. But um, thank you again, Julie. I appreciate you taking time. And I know this is a busy travel schedule. So blessings on your your upcoming travel as you um, continue to go to conferences. And you're going to be where next week? I'll be this week. This this weekend, I'll be in in California at the Great Homeschool Convention. Okay, very cool. Awesome. And um, I'll be back here again next week, same time, same place. And actually, we have two interviews next week because then I am on the road and I actually I have a guest host coming on in a couple weeks, um, Leilani Melendez. If you know her from YouTube, um, she's been on my show a couple times, but she's agreed to guest host my show um, as we dive into sharing our community stories for Sped Homeschool Awareness uh, Month again in July. So, um, so thanks all for joining us. I'll see you again next week. And thank you again, Julie. Appreciate your time and your, your wisdom. Bye, everybody. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. This has been Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. The content we feed our minds will eventually show up in our lives. If we feed our minds the lies and confusion of this world, our lives will begin to reflect worldliness. But if we feed our minds the truth of the gospel, our lives will start to reflect the heart and character of Jesus. I'm John Stonge, and each week I host the Dwell on These Things podcast, where we take a deep look at the Word of God and learn what it means to apply it to our lives. We don't skip difficult passages, and we don't gloss over the truth. If you're looking for a show that will put your mind in a better place and help you understand God's Word with more clarity, you can listen to the Dwell on These Things podcast at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.